Well, hello. It's time for another episode of Drew Drogi's Minor Revelations. How are you? Um, we've been running the show for a little over a year, so I thought I would just sort of give a little description about this show and what this is. If you're if you're tuning in for the first time, or if you've listened to a couple and wondered uh, why, what's happening? Um, Minor Revelations is is uh, a show in which I bring on two guests, and we uh, we talk about something that we maybe have never talked about, at least in a public forum before, uh, as an icebreaker. And I started it because I was I, I love being on other people's podcasts, but I was feel like I was saying the same things. I was talking about the same stuff uh, when I would get to guests on other people's shows. And and I and I feel like a lot of people do a lot of podcasts now, and it's part of our culture. And I wanted people to kind of come on and sort of reveal something that they maybe hadn't. And it can be something really big. It can be something really tiny. Um, but just for people who might be fans of someone's work who want to maybe go a little bit deeper. Um, and uh, some weeks, some weeks it's, it's super surface and really stupid. And some weeks it, it feels like, oh, Oprah, and I have no idea. The other thing is, I have no idea what they're going to tell me before they come on the show. So it's it's always a lot of fun and uh, a real ride for me as well. Um, okay, so this week I had something else I was going to talk about, but I feel like I, I feel a need to just talk about what's sort of going on in the world with all this Weinstein stuff happening, and you know, and just sort of and all the and this uh, this sort of weird backlash and sort of my sort of rant uh, towards all of that. Um, Obviously, we've we've found out that this this person that everyone has has hated on different levels throughout the business, but has had to tolerate, has become is is was actually this insanely uh, you, you know um, uh, this this uh, this pig who was um, you know um, actually um, a predator and not just a creep and not just an asshole or a bully, but someone who was actually uh, you know uh, using his power uh, on countless women. And um, so, um, ding dong, I'm thrilled that he's gone, and I feel like it's a, a huge sigh of relief. And it's banged, it is, what's the word I'm looking for? It has pushed open this closet door of so many other people coming forward and talking about, uh, you know, their sexual harassment or sexual violence or, on whatever level. And I think it's a wonderful thing that's happening. Um, it's it's horrible that it's taken this to do, but I think it's great that people are naming names. And I think that, that, uh, that um, and I think it's very important in this moment to just honor everybody's everything right now because I think I've seen um, uh, this just yesterday a lot of people on Facebook a lot of women were posting me too they were just saying me too me too me too meaning this this also happened to me obviously and then a couple of men have come forward and, and said me too and then a lot of people have been criticizing the men for uh, for sort of jumping on something that is uh, targeting women and 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 I have mixed feelings about this because I do feel like it is it is two different things um, as someone who this has happened to me and I'll talk about that in a little bit um, you know I, I think we need to recognize this time uh, for women and I think it's very important that we see this is something that men do to women and when they do it to men it is a it has different contexts it's not okay obviously it's not better or worse it's just different and i think that it's it's uh we need to acknowledge that this is something that is about power it's not about sex it's it's literally about how i can use this power you're not going to get this because of this other thing um also i think that 
women are are socialized to be compliant and to not ruffle feathers and to, uh, you know, all these things that sort of play into these predators, whereas a lot of men who might be the prey, uh, you know, it's it's not as big a deal to them, at least in the moment. They might a year later, five minutes later, whatever time later, realize this is all this is inappropriate and terrible. But uh, men are given a lot uh, more tools as to handle this kind of stuff than than women are. But I think it's really important not to attack any man who is, uh, you know, who is who is sharing his story as well, because um, another thing that I've uh, someone that pointed out, interestingly, that the only people who are attacking men for coming out and saying me too are other men. I, I think, uh, you know, uh, not, to, you know, to totally generalize, but I haven't seen any women go online and say, look, you can't do this. You can't. This moment is about us. Um, I, I, I think ultimately they see this as a sign of support for them as well. And, and saying, like, I'm glad no, I'm sorry that you went through this, but I'm glad you understand and that you see me. Um, and the most that I could write yesterday was I believe you, which I had seen someone else write. And I've seen a lot of other people share that and just I think that's really what's important now is to just say I I I hear you I see you I believe you this happened um you know and also to a, a assess the situation I mean I was 22 I had just moved to LA I started working at Pottery Barn things were going really well for me you guys and I had a uh, a male um, manager at the store who sexually harassed me for the like three, four months that I worked there. And it got, it got, it was just graphic, dirty, gross stuff. Um, and a lot of suggestive stuff. And then when I, I thought it was really funny at first, I thought it was, it was cool to be flirted with, to be quite honest. Uh, and I, and I flirted back. Um, and, the, uh, so I also, I thought part of it is like, well, I'm, I'm sort of learning how to be gay, and this is part of it. This is par for the course. This is an older gay guy, and this is how I guess I have to just take this. I sort of deserve this. And also, I can't really be mad about this because I'm playing along, and I'm sort of enjoying it. And so, um, you know, and then when, when it started to get uncomfortable, um, I would get punished. I would get in a lot of trouble. I would be yelled at about, you know, not arranging candles properly or not dusting a shelf or arranging the, the wonderful Pottery Barn soundtrack CDs that they had, you know, um, you know, on display every a new one every month. And so I, you know, I, I I realized that like, oh, if I don't play along with with this guy, I would be immediately in trouble. And so there was a power play going on. And um, I hated working at Pottery Barn for a, a, a million reasons, and this was only one of them. Um, it never got to a point where there was um, a threat of any sort of physical violence. He never cornered me. It was only verbal, um, but it was very emotional. And it was something that like months later I had to process and deal with, and I wasn't realizing what was going on. Um, and so I think it's very important to realize that when people are going through something, they're not – we are not – uh, prime to think it in, in certain situations like this is sexual harassment or this is wrong or whatever, uh, you know. Um, but it's just a lesson to all of us. It's like just leave people alone. Don't make people uncomfortable. Um, I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure I've done something to someone along the along the way that has made them uncomfortable, and for that I apologize. And I would hope that somebody would tell me that, and I would want to own that because I, we, as human beings, we are, we can be, you know, horrible. And I think that the most important thing is that we just 
you know, stop and and listen to each other and hear each other out and not and not qualify. My abuse is better or stronger or worse than your abuse. And yeah, you can have this moment. You can't have this moment Um, because I think that's kind of what's gotten us where we are now. And I think it's important to just um, listen and connect and. Uh, and, and just say, I believe you. Uh, you don't have to top a story. Uh, you don't have to, you know, um, negate. You just just listen. Um, that's all. All right, let's have a show. Well, hello, guys. I'm sitting here with... Oh, hi. I didn't oh, hi. see you. Oh, sure. Oh, hello. What happened? I'm sitting here with the wonderful and fantastic James Urbaniak and Roz Dresfeles. Hey, girl. How's it going? So good. How are good. you? We're great. Very happy to be here. I'm so <laughs> happy to be here. I mean it. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I'm also uh, uh, I'm thrilled that you're not going to do that uh, that crazy voice the whole time, Roz. <laughs> so what like, are you talking about? Who is this? This is me now. We're getting really real and honest about who we are. And I'm going to do uh, this guy. Uh, okay. He's one of my uncles from Bayonne, New Jersey. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, you still in? You still acting? <laughs> <laughs> do you really have an uncle, uncle Richie? Like I I have a hundred. Oh my god! A hundred uncles who all sound sound like that. Oh my god! I love. <laughs> hey, them. Jimmy, still acting. It's still acting. Still acting. It's. Oh my god! I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Also, like, what if the answer was no? Like, where where would they go from there? Like, you know. You no, know, no, I stopped. I gave it up. Yeah, exactly. It's just, good to know. It's done. All right. I assume our, our no one in my family had any connection to show business whatsoever. Is that the same with you? Or, sure. or, yeah, or? same with oh, me. Yeah. Well, how yes. did you get? How did you get started? And how? You know. I, in high school, uh, well, not in high school, actually, in elementary school, I used to do plays and things. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same and here. it was always taken to be good. Yes. Because I had a lot of energy. Right. And I, and I enjoyed that sort of thing. Wait, what were your high school play roles? That's always yeah, my favorite I thing. Love I talk to people about too. that all the time. Well, here's the thing. I did a lot of plays, like in elementary school, for like third, fourth, and fifth grade, all the teachers used to do a... Um, part of the day where they would do what they call drama or dramatics. Okay, great. And they would do, uh, we would do sketches and things and write our own. How great. It was great. And I realized it, later that that was not totally common. It's very rare. Yeah. And especially, I mean, maybe now because like the world has sort of like become, you know, way more uh, savvy to, to uh, comedy and sketch and improv and all that kind of stuff with the internet. But I mean, that's only been the last like, you know, Five or ten years. I mean, that's really cool that you guys were doing. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of was stuff. kind of formative, right? Doing that at that age, and then in high school, I did less. I did a couple of. I was in the chorus of a community theater production of Cabaret. Oh, sure. Because oh, yes. I was a little. I was blonde boy back then. Oh, and I sure. Did you just sing tomorrow belongs to I me. I sure did. Yes. And uh, at one point, I, I was. I didn't get tall till. I was sixteen, so okay. when I was like fourteen, I was very skinny and very short. And I remember once the the theater the director picked me up and placed me somewhere else. Wow! Uh, Physically, on stage. Picture. Yeah, yeah. Because he figured it'd be <laughs> when quicker you were fourteen. Than, something like that. Wow! And I mean, at the time, old, I thought be... that's a little inappropriate. Inappropriate. Yeah. Did you get picked up a lot? As a, as a, <laughs> I know a lot of like uh, like uh, short small people talk about that they get picked up and tossed around a lot. I. Well, I wasn't terribly bullied, uh-huh. but I like guys would grab me and just, uh-huh. just so I couldn't walk and then let me go, things like that. 
I remember I, once when I was a little kid and I was buying clothes with my dad and we were living in Bayonne where I lived until I was eight. So I was under eight. I might have been like six or seven. Mm-hmm. And the guy in the store actually picked me up to kind of, I don't know, to check, to chalk my pants or something. Uh-huh. And he said to my dad, unbelievable, meaning how little I was. Wow. For my age. Yeah. And you'll never oh. forget that. No, of there's, course. Uh, there's one of those things when they say, because <laughs> I had, I, growing up, I had really big ears and really big feet. Yes. And I just, I was digging through a bunch of old things that I had written because I was trying to find my high school graduation speech for this show that I'm doing in, in New York in a few weeks. And so I was going through all these things that my mom had sent me. And I remember I read this thing that I'd written in, in like fifth or sixth grade about if there was one thing I could change about my body and it was my ears and how much mm. I hated my big ears. And they were, and I, for, and it all came back like what a source of you know like uh, you know um, uh, what a sore spot it was because people would flick them or make fun of them or call yes. me Dumbo or whatever and I still have big ears but I have a big head now and I'm grown ass 6'3 200 pound man so it, you don't really notice it but they were the first <laughs> thing to grow on me and I had really big feet and I was and I and to this day I hate my feet and I they are by far the worst part of my body but I remember going I'm into. I'm glancing down now. They're but huge, you're, you're but I mean they're twelves. They're not like the yes. biggest in the world, but they also are really, really flat. And they're like, I have a. Me lot too, of, Drew. Really, my feet are so flat that a podiatrist once gaped at my. Ex-ray. I had the same thing. <laughs> That's so crazy. Incredible. I would. I did. You step out of the pool and make a completely flat footprint. Well, I, I only made the footprint I made. I never thought about it. But yeah, yeah. I have no. But, I mean, you know, there's no Archless. like, there's no. Oh, so yours heel. is like the full. It's foot. a full. It's like a palm print. Me too. Yeah. So oh, there's wow. no sense of there's no arch. And I remember going to a shoe store when I was probably around the same age, or fifth, you know, fourth, fifth grade, and having big feet then. And the and the the shoe salesman going, "Wow, I hope you grow into those feet." And it's one of those things that like. <laughs> You know, just adults, you don't think when you're having a kid and you're like that. And I remember just being like, I was so traumatized by that. Talk about the cruelty of children, but the cruelty of adults to children, just saying stuff like that. Unbelievable. And you're like, what are you supposed to win in that in that moment? And what is the kid supposed to find that hilarious? And like, I hope so, too. Or or God, you're hilarious. You should do comedy instead of selling shoes. Like, what are you? What I do think you adults say maybe moment? forget how impressionable kids they are. They really do, and they and they forget that like um, that like teasing and joking about about a kid's appearance is just kind of yeah. always off limits, no matter what it is. It takes a little bit of time and practice to learn sarcasm, or yes, you know, as right. a young kid, you're like, wait, what? Right, exactly. How are you in heels? I am actually good in heels, like for the most part. I've learned how to, I because I had to learn how to walk in shoes, like regular shoes. And so like heel toe is really hard for me. I have to constantly, mm. I mean, my mom used to always go heel toe, heel toe when I would walk because I would just flap along. Like my feet would just like smack the ground like like <laughs> ducks. And so, um, so I don't know if it's like I'm. I don't know, but I I can do heels if I if I can find size 14s. I mean, the, it's just finding the oh size shoes. It's have you ever yeah. had? Uh, I forget what they're called. Arch thingies. I have had arch shoes. supports. Yeah. I have had yeah. arch supports, and they have helped. And I should get them again because they do. You know, because it affects your posture and everything. It absolutely. Yeah, I had gotten everything. them many years ago, like over ten years ago. Uh huh. Because I'd never gotten them, and I went to this one foot guy, the guy who gaped. He was like, you should really have arch supports. He was like, do your feet hurt when you walk? And I said, not really. No, no, no mine either. No, mine are fine. Yeah. I think it's a myth. All those guys in World War II who couldn't go because they had flat feet. 
Absolutely. But, but I been, loved it. Growing up, yeah. I was like, I'll never be drafted. Yeah, I'll never be drafted. Exactly. I didn't realize I was gay, but I was like, <laughs> I know I got flat feet, so this is why I'll never go to the war. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason. Yeah, I was so happy. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I have terrible feet, too. Flat feet. Yeah. I yeah. have terrible feet because I worked in a theme park for years. What uh, theme park did you uh, work We're in? not going to talk about uh, it. Yeah, uh, we're not gonna t- I can't reveal too much. But Oh, okay. Um, did you have a great adventure there? Uh, uh, it was an adventure. How many flags were there? Uh, uh, not uh, too many flags at this one. Um, but yeah, I have the worst because the shoes that I had to wear was a specific. It was I was a performer and it was a specific type of shoe I had to wear. And now I wear heels all the time. And I'm getting close to having to be a flats drag queen. Really? Yeah, my yeah, yeah, feet yeah. are real bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm good friends with the podiatrist as well. Yeah. Foot problems. Foot the newest problems. podcast. Let's take no. some calls. Exactly. <laughs> you have feet problems. How do yours hurt? Talk about your bunions. Um, no, I think that's. I mean, I think it's really good to check in with that kind of stuff because like it's like your knees it's like those are parts of your but you know you just really got to take care of those yeah you know? i mean i don't want to not be don't, able to walk or perform and, you know and wear flats who cares no one's gonna i mean if that's Jackie I hate B to does sound it. Like, absolutely and she there's nobody better so like if you you know and it's like if you can't walk in heels then don't do it it's just like yeah. don't force something just because and you know, and make a bit out of it, you know. Well, I'm always like... And Roz pe- dreads for Les, you know, she's casual. Exactly. You know? Well, I'm always like, if people are so concerned about something like that, then I must be boring or something. Right. I need to change something if that's right. what they're focused on. Right. Well, and that's the same thing about, like, you know, people that do perfect makeup. It's like, I don't care about exactly. that. Exactly. I don't care if you have... If, you know, it's just like when, you know, it's like I don't when I go to Broadway and see shows and I see someone who has the perfect singing voice, but if they're dead inside, I'm like, you're perfectly trained... You're a product of this perfect, but I like messy. Yes. I like a little bit. I'd rather see somebody that's real who might who might be a little bit, you know. Like when I saw Cabaret, to speak of that, like Natasha Richardson, right? Yeah, Natasha Richardson was just heartbreaking. And she wasn't really a singer, but I was like, I'll never forget her performance. And I don't remember somebody who's just going to give the like, you know, the perfect thing. I, yeah, I don't I, care that's about That's always flawless. an interesting dichotomy, like technique and... Heart or whatever you're yeah. saying with the art, mm-hmm. and you need a balance of both for something to land. Yes, but if something's just purely technical, it can be impressive. But right, you can go, you can be like, "That's very good." I, yeah, I, but I, it's I, not personal. It's not at all. There's not a there's not a soul to it. And yeah. yes, you don't want just just complete heart and no, <laughs> there's no you know training or talent. When involved, I was in New York, but... I became like a connoisseur of acting styles. Yes. And you can, like, I remember going to a play once. <laughs> uh, the, the scene was two people, a professor and a student. Was this Oleana? Uh, no. This okay. was a, a, Julianne Moore played the professor. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. Yes, it was a reverse gender Oleana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and when you call so that boy a cunt, that. Oh, the house. The dry boy. eye in the house. <laughs> oh, it was, just, it was sad. <laughs> okay. No, it wasn't Oleana. But <laughs> the scene was a student talking to her advisor. Mm-hmm. In a chair, mm-hmm. in an office, and I'm watching the scene, and I and it's a young woman playing the student, mm-hmm. and I went Juilliard. Wow. I could tell she was Juilliard <sighs> trained based on how she sat in the chair and spoke to the other character. Wow! Because, and I know a lot of Juilliard people, and they develop their own style eventually. But there can be a thing where there's a very specific, very technically impressive thing mm-hmm. that they do, but it doesn't feel personal, and it doesn't necessarily feel real. When you sort of see a young actor just sort of doing that technique that they've learned. Wow. Which is a kind of pressurized physicality and kind of vocal 
domination. I would love to talk to you because <laughs> because like somebody like like uh, I just saw the, earlier this year I saw Michael Yuri do the government inspector and it's one of the most brilliant comedic performances I've ever seen in my I life. I bet. And his ability to and he went to Juilliard is Mel, but I'm sure he would agree with you on something. Like, it's like and I would love to talk to him. Or, or hear that because it, I I've remember had this going conversation see, with a lot of graduates because yes. it's, it's it's sort of a yes because you, of you have to be above like the you know the training is like incredible and it's the best you know because I've been so impressed because when I saw him do that and like Jessica Chastain is another actor who That's went right. to Juilliard and who was in his class and I know there are a lot you know that and. You know, or like Kevin Klein I th- was a Juilliard as well. Yes, I believe so. Because he so. was, I think, that was early acting company, which With was the Juilliard offshoot that John Houseman. Yes, uh, and like these are with. like some of my very favorites. But oh yeah, you know, you learn. You like you have to sort of learn that you, you know you know they came in with raw talent they had to learn this other thing and then they had to sort of transcend well that's the thing, the thing. exactly because when i because uh, i don't have any formal training i went to a community really? college yeah but then wow. I, I i had my own company for years and that became sort of my own training your own theater company yes okay. but when i was like 18 19 after high school i was just going to a community college studying different things but always doing plays uh-huh. but i started taking classes in new york city and at the time I didn't understand what technique was. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Right. I had energy. Right. And I had instincts. And I stood out as someone with no training mm-hmm. in my community <laughs> theater plays in college. But I didn't know what it was. And I took classes. I took classes at HB. Oh, yes. The famous sure. acting sure. studio yeah. in New York uh-huh. with the old character actor William Hickey. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, totally. William Hickey. Yeah. yeah, totally. And he was great. And looking back... I understand what he was doing, but at the time, I didn't. Right. I, I kind of had to get out into the world and then later add up the stuff I learned in that Yes, class. and I think you have to do that <laughs> everywhere because I never did formal training either. I mean, I went to a liberal arts school and I was a theater major and I studied thing. You know, I, I learned mostly from just doing a lot of plays. And then mm-hmm. I did, you know, I took all the acting classes and the movement and I learned about, you know, um, link letter, you know, voice technique and Alexander technique and all that stuff. We learned it, but it was so surface. It was so on top. Of, I had to yeah. go to chemistry class after that. Like I was, it was, but it was, it was really good training, but it was, they also don't expect you to be an actor for a living there. You don't, that they're not, that's not what they're there to do. And so, uh, and then I went into the Groundlings and sort of that, you know, you, and again, the Groundlings is really great improv training. But when they go up to like the sketch stuff, it's like throw it up and see if it works or doesn't. Like they don't really teach you how to write a sketch. You kind of it's all trial and error at that point. And so the the school really changes its 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 uh, mo from from improv into the sketch. And they also just kind of go, you have to know how to act coming into the school. Like, we, we don't teach acting, but you have to be a good performer in order to do this. So you kind of have to figure right. it out. And I think it's so interesting to hear people's perspective because I used to, when I was at Wake Forest in North Carolina, we used to go and see shows at North Carolina School of the Arts. And they have such a specific style of acting <clears throat> that drove me crazy. And I and there again, there's incredible actors that have come out of all of these places. But there was some teacher or somebody that was encouraging actors to smack their legs Whenever they needed to make points, and so they would walk around and they would just <laughs> oh, no. smack their legs, this making points. Fascinating. And it was we just noticed it. And once you noticed it, you couldn't unnotice it. Like you couldn't focus on the play because you're watching everyone walking around beating themselves up. That sounds like it would be an exercise, but it was actually it was, it was it, yes. And I think they were there was like a literal. 
thing to it, or they had just seen someone that was so good, right. or they, someone just or really the nailed teacher, the thigh slap, and they studied these things that. Because can can uh, can start somewhere, and then they just work their way through yes history. Be, yes. You know, like that. It's possible that teacher saw an actor do that on stage once. Uh-huh. He did it, and he was maybe amazing. You yes. know what I mean? Like uh, yes. And because I become obsessed with moments like that, like small gestures, throwaway things. Yes. And, and 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 a lot of them are floating around that just people have borrowed from each other. Right. And it's it's fascinating. <laughs> well, I just remember, I mean, I think about and I, when I was teaching and I used to see so many women doing Kristen Wiig. And it was yeah. like at the Groundlings, you know, they would do their characters and they would be it would be an offshoot of something Kristen did. And I went through this the groundling through the school with Kristen. And so like she was the only one doing that then. Like these really weird women that she would come in and bring but that would she, Yeah. She also know. keys into a very modern sort of female energy. I don't yes. even know how to describe it. Yes. But when she like not even her more exaggerated characters. She just has when she's playing sort of something more naturalistic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she just had a kind of energy uh uh and I don't even know how to describe it. Just quality that seemed new. Yes, absolutely. And I, I remember when when she was at the Groundlings, though. She, I mean, her characters were all just these. I mean, it was it was you know Target Lady and all that kind of those mm-hmm. people that you know that you would know. But they were just these weird women that she pointed at. Like you know, there was one lady that that went door to door. Like a saleswoman that came to her door in real life, and Kristen was like, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" And like brought her in, and like sat down and brought her in. But it was like she was so attuned to weird behavior and weird ways of speaking, and just and she would just cre- and she had a wild imagination. She would take one phrase and like spin a whole yeah, character around. Thing it. I know, she'll just take one little physical quality. Or expression or something. Yes. And it's like a great caricaturist. Right. It's like a Hirschfeld cartoon. And she, yes. And she just paints around it. <clears throat> and I just noticed, and I would always, you know, and it was it was what she did. And it was like, that was that was her. But, but that's then, the thing. It's what she did. I don't right. like when so many And then people... a lot of other people, and a lot of it is like students are just learning and they're not even realizing that they're doing that. Yeah. They're not even going, I'm going to I'm gonna kidnap her characters and, you know, or hijack her characters is a better word. Instead, they just, they love her work. And I've even had some students in the past that I'm like yeah, that I've pulled aside and said, "You're great. You've got to stop watching Kristen Wiig <laughs> because you're because it's rubbing off on you." And it's like Chris Farley did that with a lot of men, like a lot of guys that would come in with this sure. Chris Farley or Will Ferrell <laughs> energy because these these people become iconic by doing what they do, and right. then everybody kind of does that as they because they think that's comedy. And when you're learning, you're kind of going. That's the thing, but it is interesting with these, you know, these these acting schools that they, they do teach a certain, they just they teach an aesthetic, and it's like if you climb to that and you're able to achieve all those, all the math of that, you'll do well. But then you have to be able to, you know, sort of learn that and kind of throw it now, away. I have to. This is not really a sidebar, but I have to go back to the North Carolina thing because yes. this is true, and this is the kind of thing I remember when I first started doing stuff in New York. I had met a, th- a director. She was getting her master's at Columbia for directing, and I first moved in and started doing student. I wasn't going to Columbia, but I was her friend, and she was directing and needed actors. So, and that's how it all started with me mm-hmm. in New York. So uh, young actors who would come to New York would uh, audition for these Columbia student plays. They would advertise and backstage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and Richard Register, 
of Gans oh, yes. and Register, of course, um, who I'm, you know, right? Yes, of course, uh, was in the cast of this uh, play, and he was <laughs> a recent graduate of North Carolina School of the Arts. I didn't know that he went there. Yes, I'm, I'm almost positive here. that he went there, and he did a gesture. We were doing like an old Greek comedy, like The Birds by Aristophanes uh-huh, or something, uh-huh. or whoever wrote The Birds. I, yeah, yeah, and right. I, his character, it was very comedic, and first day of rehearsal, his character regrets something, and then very comedically, Richard pretended to stab himself in compunction for this. Uh-huh. And so he held a little, he, they may have been a prop, or he just put his fist like a knife, and then he stabbed himself repeatedly in the chest really quickly, like... What have I done? What have I done? <laughs> and it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, this guy's really trained. Because it was really clean yes, yes, gesture. Yes. But it was also him slapping his hand against his body. Right. What is that North Carolina School of the Arts? I don't know. The it's body the slap. flagellating. <laughs> it's the South. Like, beat yourself up. You slap know, your knee. It's That's interesting you when you hate your body. And so is Richard doing a variiation on the thumb That slap. is very strange. Ah, I love that. Interesting. But that's Ross, what you have what to you? do. Where did you... Uh, where did you... Where did I train, train in my clownery? Or, or, where, where did you get your clown? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not really necessarily an actor, so I never really studied... But you're wonderful. We, you're, you do the Golden <laughs> Girls with us, and you're such a natural. Thank you. You hold your own against a bunch of... I mean, talk about clown show. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait till we get to this revelation, because kind of oh, yeah. things to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I did do. I was a theater kid, and you did theme parks. You performed at theme parks. Theme parks as well. That's hey, that's training. That's it is. Oh, it's training. a whole another kind of training because it's For dealing sure. with how to talk to all different kinds of people from all over the world and yeah. different situations and staying in character. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it. I mean, I've learned a lot from doing as well. I mean, I do a lot of stand up, and that too is something that I. I guess you could take class to learn certain techniques, mm-hmm. but it's it's very similar to what you guys were saying. Um, sometimes you do see uh, techniques that people use that they've kind of uh, picked up from other comics that they've uh, seen, mm-hmm. and like what you're saying with like the Kristen Wiig thing. That's that's been a problem too, where people see other comics, they kind of just hear a joke. Throw, thrown away and then they get accused of stealing jokes because they use that joke. Right. Robin Williams that used to happen to mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Um, well, things come into the ether then people don't realize that they maybe have stolen or like you have a, sort of a collective sense of humor. Right. And There's parallel thought. I'm also fascinated by acting styles uh, throughout time. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is interesting, uh, isn't uh, it? Uh, how like Rebel Without a Cause was considered the most naturalistic acting when it came out, and you watch it now, and it is like kabuki. Well, James Dean is doing uh, a form of naturalism, but most of the other kids are acting like they're in Guys and Dolls or something. Oh yeah, Natalie hey, Wood. come on, let's go. Natalie Wood is insane in that movie because we watched it again. Lisa, I mean, it's like she's. I mean, the rubbing of the lipstick all over her face are just—it's crazy, and it was just like kids are wild, you know. And it's like I'm sure that was so fascinating at the time. When it came out, but yeah, there's just you know, and I and I guess it was way more naturalistic than you know Humphrey Bogart, you know. But it's like it's crazy, yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's a parallel in uh, the Wild One where Brando is doing this new form of post-war naturalism, for lack of lack mm-hmm. of a better description. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the other actors in that are doing this kind of presentational almost Broadway style, which is uh-huh. kind of hilarious because they're playing motorcycle gang members. I love but it. they they all seem like they're 
I've never seen The Wild One. In a musical comedy. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it, Brando is really great. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time. Sure. But there's a, you sort of see two, it's sort of an interesting period where you, you can see two different styles of acting kind of colliding with each other in the same movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> see, that's the hard thing that I've always had is pulling it back because I'm just so used to the stage and doing drag and and I've been filming a few things here and there lately and I don't know how do you balance that doing <laughs> I so don't much? always very well um, I mean, I, sometimes you can't the hardest thing is when you do when you're on something for one day and you don't know what movie you're in you know right. and you because we've all seen that where you're like that person's in a completely different movie oh, than everyone else and they don't tell you and you don't have any footage to you know and it's not like yeah. you have a TV show that you can watch ahead of time and go oh I oh Get this is style. the vibe yeah. of but this show yeah, it, and just, so you, it, it has to be I'm sorry I didn't mean to no no no, no go, ahead, go for it but uh, yeah the thing about pulling back it's like uh, it's not really about is it big or small it's just about is it personal and is it about something yes uh, like uh, one of my favorite actors is Gene Wilder Sure. Uh, you can't accuse him of being naturalistic no, or even right. small. He's no, really big, yes, but he's so intense. He's like the Brando of comedy. Oh, because I know. He's he's mm-hmm. he's super real, and uh, and it's and then no one can do what what he did. No, and I I've mean, tried. I've tried as well <laughs> because I did a fundraiser a few years ago. We did a, a reading of Young Frankenstein as a fundraiser, and so I mean, I I've always I've, I've been told, especially when my hair is in a insanely, you know, the, at its longest, that I look like Gene Wilder, and so I, they asked me to do the to do Doctor <laughs> Frankenstein. It was impossible. I got negative yes. laughs, uh-huh. and it was because it's it, there's like. And I'm watching the movie, and I'm just trying to do what he did because I'm not. It's not about making it my. It's like for a benefit, and people want to see you doing the movie. Right. They don't want to see like what's your else? take on yeah, this, your interpretation. On this test. Exactly. You know, they they want to see the characters come alive. You know, and I was I really worked and tried, and I I, I it was so hard, and I was like, this man was so singular and not that somebody else couldn't do him but it he makes it look so easy and the screaming and his anger his levels and his ability and yes it is so personal and i what i always love is something that i quote that alan cumming said uh which is you can be as big as you want to be as long as you mean it that's and i love totally that. true and i and that's the thing about like people in real life are over the top at times. Oh, 100%. And that's yeah. when you want to see people. I don't want to see... I, I'm sorry, but when I watch Twilight, that's my example, <laughs> and I know there... But I, the, that style of acting is as stylized as, as you know, Joanne Worley on Laugh-In. You know, like, that's sort of like, hey, what's up? Nothing. It's up to you. We're three... Uh, uh, the three of us are talking in a room right now in pretty full voices. Yes. We can all hear each other and we're right. mic'd. We yes. don't have to speak loud, but we are because we're energized right. mm-hmm. and communicating with each right. other. But there's a kind of movie acting where we'd all be talking like this. I know. And there's that's, an understanding that that's more real. Well, and I talk but you're right. It is no more too. real than it's, Joanne It's World. just as much as... <laughs> yes. And it's like a... To me, it's like a... And I think... <laughs> that, you know, it's like the moment is, and also what we're going to be put in is we're going to be put in bigger role, like people that, that have bigger energy because that's what we do. And mm-hmm. so even if it's, you know, and a good director can just pull it down. Sometimes it's just a matter of going, okay, the camera's just right here versus an audience that's this far away. Yes. So it's just about adjusting like that kind of stuff. But, you know, yeah, I, I think sometimes too that like I've tried to be really real and bring it down and I lose everything and I kind of have everybody going, 
looking at me like, why did we bring you in to do this? If we don't, you don't do what you do. My instinct is so like... I don't think you should worry about it too much. I think okay. there's such a thing where people think like there's theater acting and there's film acting and I think that's bullshit. I think it's like, it's what's what's agree, real, what's true totally. and there, there are different moments that you have to be like, oh, in this moment, you know, um, you know, I... Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the show I'm doing right now, my solo show, it's set outside. And I learned a lot. I did it one time literally outside. And I learned more from doing it outside just because of feeling that energy of like how yeah. you talk to each other outside versus how you talk to each other inside. That had more to do with it than oh, I'm in the theater versus I'm on film. And I'm fairly know? loud in real life. I've been hushed in restaurants many times. Yes, <laughs> Conversations are had significant others look at me going, keep it down. The man is looking at you. Right. But there's there's a sort of bizarre idea that talking super quietly is realistic. I know. But in a way, like, there's lots of great acting in silent movies. Sure. There's, there's some great acting that's very natural and very real. And there's a kind of presentational acting that we look at as kind of dated. Like, why are they making these big gestures? Mm -hmm. But I think in 100 years, people will look at Twilight or whatever and go, why are they talking so quietly? I know. What's I hope going so. On? <laughs> If they look at it at all, but it's like, yeah. I By know, the way, I I've never seen a Twilight movie. I, I so you know, I, 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 I mean, I, really I can't even say that I, I have it. I, I mean, I guess either. maybe on a plane, I've seen. But there is a kind of acting that young. Well, and there's a lot of sighing in that acting too. When yeah. young people are upset on screen, they go. <sighs> I know. I just don't know. <sighs> it's all that just you're like, like rub the Hollywood eyes house, and you're, you're, it's just like <laughs> it's just so hard. Everyone's just like kind of <sighs> casually a mystery. You know what I mean? I'm just like whatever. It's like yeah. do this thing. That's interesting. That's acting. It's also I just uh, you know I just don't. think It's will never be how I perform. I'll never be. You know. I mean I I look at people like you know William H Macy and I'm like oh my god I want to be that subtle at time. I want to be able to do like so little with that. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. But he's also can be insanely big. Yeah, it's he's like really theatrical. So it's like you know I I, I think it's like about range. And also the late great Phil Hoffman was sure. super theatrical. Absolutely. Uh, and real. And 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 very real. But he didn't he didn't pretend to be naturalistic. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the thing about when you find your uniqueness and yourself. That's the stuff that that people want you to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. You know, and it takes and, a, it's it's hard to remember that. Yes. In recent times, I have done TV gigs where I there's one very recently where I know in the scene I was doing Gene Wilder because I just uh, watched like Blazing Saddles uh -huh, or something, uh -huh. and then I watched it and went, "It's fine, but it's not me." And I'm. This is my new mantra for me to try to be better. Don't do a thing. Just, just, just behave. Oh, I love. Don't that. do a thing. Don't do a thing. Don't do a thing. That's so, so, so when you were doing Gene Wilder, you were doing a thing, right? Whereas Gene Wilder was just doing, doing something that came out of him. Absolutely. So yeah, that's my thing. And it's that's about so decluttering true. it. Just yeah, yeah. This is and great it's for also, me. Don't do it. And it's also <laughs> simple. It's also more simple than we think it is. I mean, I think people, people get. Thousands and thousands of dollars from green talent who just moves to towns by telling them it's so much more difficult. It's like a, the therapist that wants to keep you sick a little bit so you'll keep coming back. And like, you need to do this and then this and then think of this moment and then hold on to this letter and this and that. And it's like, it really is like behave truthfully in imaginary circumstances. Like, believe what you're saying, but listen, react. Like, it's it's so much simpler than we than we kind of tell ourselves sometimes, and we make it so complicated. And sometimes it's like, no, just believe, and your truth is going to be different from somebody else's. Right. And so, 
there's no right or wrong. It is as long as it's right for you. The only way you're going to go wrong is when you go. That's very true. Do, and when you do a thing, it's not only that it's right for you uh, emotionally, but behaviorally. Mm-hmm. The 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 how loud your voice is, how gestural you are. Mm-hmm. But those are all personal things. Mm-hmm. You can be very gestural and loud and. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nathan Lane isn't necessarily doing a thing. He's doing himself. Absolutely. He's right. expressing himself. So it's it's and not I mean, about some sort of idea of, of naturalism and underplaying. It's just right. about honesty and trusting yourself, which is Absolutely. hard. It's hard to trust yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because like the stuff that I do and I've done with you is like the real high camp, draggy type stuff. But it's still true. Like you still have to be truthful about what you have what to be in doing. every moment. You have to be mm-hmm. like a, a way. Because you know, we're in the basement of a Mexican restaurant. People yeah, are yes. right on top of you. And you have to, there's no way you can make eye contact in that theater. You, ha- you have to be very yeah. presentational and l- turned out and looking out. And But you have to be listening and connected because the second you drop out, mm-hmm. they're right there. They can see you. Yeah. So it is, you know, and yeah, yeah, there is, you have to learn how to do that. And every time we have somebody new down in the, in the you know, at Casita del Campo, we're like, just so you know, you're not going to make eye contact. Don't yes. turn because you're going to upstage. The way this place is laid out, you have to just turn out. Um, but that doesn't mean like be, you know, um, be cardboard either, you know, like you have to. But like great performances are very seductive, especially to other performers. So it's it's uh, countless times I've been like, wow, that's so great. I'm going to act like that person. Sure. I'm going to do that gesture. Right. right. Yeah. Be like Gene Wilder. Right. And, now, and then I when... just know when it's not really me. Right. It's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when you're doing an actual impression of somebody, <clears throat> how does that well, I have. I've played a couple of actual people. Because mm-hmm. I'm playing, I'm playing Gina Davis's role in Peach's Christ version of Sheetlejuice. It's like a drag oh, version yes, of Beetlejuice. Yes, nice. please. And um, I'm Bianca so glad Del you're Rio. doing that. Congrats. Thank you. Bianca Del Rio plays um, Beetlejuice, and I'm playing. Um, oh my God! What a dream. Yes, it's a, such a dream come yes, true. Yes. Yes. Um, but and so I'm thinking so about this that, acting stuff. That's lately. a little different because you do have to. Pay homage to Gina Davis's yes. performance, right? Because you can't just do your own thing. Because it's different from we're doing an original production of Beetlejuice somewhere, and we're putting mounting it. I can do my own thing. Right? People are coming because they want to see that. What they know that from sliver. the screen. Yeah. I think also just like everybody does it differently. Some people are brilliant impressionists. I am not. I take a sliver of what I think their soul sounds like, and I just try to go from there. And I try not to. I watch it a bunch of times, and I try to. I just try to let it land somehow but i don't i don't think of it as like i have to copy every mannerism yeah no and i yeah yeah, i mean i'm not that great a mimic either but if when i've done things like that it's more about my feelings about the performance Mm -hmm. so what what are the what are the elements that land for you in jana davis's performance and it's almost Mm -hmm. like a conversation this is your 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 conversation about her in yes. that movie. Well, I think when I did, we did Mommy Dearest. Uh, we did Mommy Dearest on stage with Alexandra Billings, who gave oh, the most gosh. incredible performance I made. I mean, it was it was so great. She was Joan Crawford, and I was Christina. And oh, uh, and gosh. Diana Scarwood is so dull in that movie. Like as much as <laughs> as much as Faye Dunaway has been made fun of for doing Mommy Dearest, I'm like, she's brilliant. She's doing uh, something. I love it. Diana Scarwood is so 
is is so punishingly boring mm-hmm. that I that was my comment was like I'm gonna see <laughs> I'm gonna try to be as boring as I can be because there's no way and in the way Mommy Dearest is set up you're not gonna win you're Christina. now that must, I haven't seen that a long time by the way I gotta say sidebar she's not boring in Silkwood she's great she's quite in flamboyant and hilarious in Silkwood. <laughs> She right? is. I haven't seen Silkwood in forever. Yeah. Well, she's like Shira's lover, and she's this yes. sort of she's like this southern. She can be great, and then things, but kind of sassy southern yes. girl. But uh, and Shira's a maybe great she opponent. she made a decision to be well, more. Well, if you're playing against uh, the great uh, Faye Dunaway, playing uh, John Crawford. You, one may also want to maybe pull back. Like, first movie <laughs> also back like, the house she's clearly a terrible it. director and them not knowing what yeah, the well, movie I was. do remember it's not really a good film oh it's a horrible movie yes. <laughs> and it's actually it's actually you know a giant lie so I have as much as it's such a gay mm. camp classic I have a hard time watching it I have a hard time enjoying it I've wanted to revisit it uh, for a while it's it's for me I just remember watching it as a kid and being so traumatized because it's so Horrifying. But when you find it, it was so much of it is lies, and so much of it is a disgusting, sad, you know, tale told by a a awful, vengeful daughter who wants to get back on her mother, who I'm sure was not a lovely, warm, incredible woman. But this this is a lie. And so, what's so sad for me about it is that in the drag world, Mommy Dearest is huge. Yes, and. Unfortunately, that's the Joan Crawford that is always portrayed. Whenever there's a Joan Crawford impersonator, it's always wire hangers. Yes, and, yes. But it's like, oh, yeah. I that's know. right. That's well, the, and, well, she, I never thought of it that way, but the great impressionists do the official impression. Yes. Like, and, there was a comic in the 60s named Will Jordan who came up with the phrase, really big show. Okay. Because it was just. You could do a good Sullivan by saying that phrase, but Sullivan didn't oh, right. necessarily say that. I think it's one of those mythic. Things. Oh, isn't that funny? But now everyone still today they do Will Jordan's Ed Sullivan. Right. Yes. And so everyone does, everyone does Faye Dunaway's uh, sure. Joan Crawford. That's that's for sure. <laughs> As opposed to and doing really Joan Crawford. That, yeah. And I wasn't. I wasn't. A, a, you know, the world's biggest fan of that feud show. I had a lot. Of, you know, but I thought, um, uh, oh my God, Jessica Lange was amazing. Fantastic. And I loved. I loved that she gave Joan Crawford humanity yes. and, and refused to play it like a drag queen, yes. you know. And um, you know, because but played that regal and dare I say sense of entitlement that great movie star should have. Yes, but also you could see her emotional life yes. in there, and it was and she wasn't so, really doing an impression of Joan Crawford. I mean. You know, no, she was and that's the great her, thing. That was, that's the, was, she's the, exactly what we're talking about, yeah. which you should aspire to. It's, yes. sort of, it's also her conversation with Joan Crawford. Yes. She's, okay, she's I, saying something. I love it. Okay, I, get, I want to hear some stories from you guys. That's right. We're, yeah, we're, we're supposed to reveal stories. stuff. I mean, I love this conversation so much. I'm like, we could talk about this for I could seriously. Four hours. And like I said, I'm learning talk about so much. Acting such a nerd about the podcast. Well, because I'm like the one. Week. I know, I'm this. like the one person amongst <laughs> actors always that like I just kind of I'm absorbed. I'm used to this kind of a conversation. I'm learning a lot from both of you. So thank you. Oh my god, of course. I likewise. I love. I love. I love this. I love this chatter. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'll go first. I'm waiting for this I love this chatter. I'm going to end it. Who wants to go first? (laughs) This makes me so nervous because... I cannot wait. I have revealed a lot about myself. um, And, you know, like I have a podcast, which you've been on. Yes. um, And I talk about, you know, my life and stuff. But this is one thing I have not talked about. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I love it. And I feel like maybe we've talked about this before. I'm not sure. Um, I come from a family where my father, I'll just say it, my father was a clown. 
He was literally a clown. Literally a clown. I did not know that. Pro. He was pro. A professional. Wow. Made now money. what kind of clown? Like did he go to, like the circus or birthday he, parties? He or? worked for the fire department for okay. like thirty years, and okay. starting from like the eighties, he okay. was this fire safety clown. Okay, still does it to this day. This is like making me nervous talking about this because I've never shared it with anyone. I love it. Um, and it's like, it's funny. Like, naturally, I grew up to be a drag queen. Of course. Uh, it was in you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So that was, you know. What, what is his clown? What is, does he have a name? We're not going to. I'm not. Okay. Like, that's the, Just, I got to draw the line okay, somewhere. Okay. So um, what did what does he I'm look like? I'm flashing a little on Jim Carrey and in Living Color, obviously. <laughs> okay. Yes. His yes. Um, chief character. Or um, that was yes. um, Damon Wayans. Oh, yeah. He did. Um, what was the Homie, Homie the, the Clown? The clown. Oh, no, but Jim Carrey did a fire marshal bill. Oh, fire marshal bill. Okay, okay. Kind of a mixture of both of those. That's my father. Got it. Yes, exactly. True. Um, Don't think I'm. I love how I'm schooling you on in living color. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was Kelly Cofield. No, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. uh, So, what was I going to say about that? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, it's something that was like normal to me that my dad was a clown and when I was a young kid it was definitely a point of insecurity because Mm -hmm. he would be fully dressed up and do these presentations (laughs) at our at our school so I'd be like in the classroom and then all of a sudden knock knock here comes the silly clown with his horn and his (laughs) and everyone's like that's your dad oh Um, yeah so a little traumatized but I you know I was always like the kind of kid that, and I guess I still probably am this way, where rather than, like, I know the jokes are coming, I know I'm going to get bullied about this, I'm just going to embrace it, and like, mm-hmm. you can, how are you going to laugh, you know, that technique, sure, that bully sure. technique. So I decided, like, you know what, I I think it's kind of cool. Like, I don't know, it's interesting. Now, mind you... But aren't you glad now that you had that, that you have a 100%. performer for a father 100%. who understands who Totally understands are, what, I what I do. do. 100% yes. understands what I Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Um... You know, clowning, I mean, it's such a silly thing. And sadly, it's kind of a tainted art form. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it. And it, every time you see a Catching clown nowadays. The yes. You know, it's a hard. Somebody, yeah. John Wayne Gacy. The first yes. episode of Baskets is all about what a loser this guy is because he wants to be a clown. Oh, I know. Isn't I that love funny? That Modern movie. Family, there's that yes. storyline too. Shortcuts and Archer. Have you seen I, that movie? I have not. Mimes as well. Mimes are Oh, nervous. mimes, yeah. Mimes are only made fun of dramatically. Uh, uh, 100%. Oh, sure. Or what's the one with. <laughs> and I kind of um, get that. Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait, where he plays the clown. Oh, with Shakespeare. I would argue that that is a that's a pro clown movie, and I'm not making fun movie. of their clownishness. It's just about them being in a subculture. But anyway, it's yeah, sort of like yeah. the I mean, Tu Wong Fu thing, where it's sure. like drag queens are always in drag, always these clowns are always yes, whatever. Yes, um, yes. So yeah, it, that's what's kind of unfortunate about it is. You know, it's like, they're only here to make you laugh and have a good time. And the <laughs> theatrics of it, I love wigs and makeup. And it's also sure. fun and sweet. Yeah. And and their role in the circus, like, sure, there's certain things about the circus that are very inhumane and whatever. But what the clowns do is humane. And it's fun. And it's it's camp. And it's art. And it's, uh, it's theater. And mm-hmm. I always was so drawn to that. And so I became a clown when I was 10 years old. And I... Uh, let me tell you something. I had a small business I was running, and I was doing birthday parties. This is fantastic! Wow! Honey, I was making fifty dollars a party. What? Uh, oh, I felt like you know it's so funny, it's so telling. My name was Rainbow the Clown. Yes, yes, which I chose myself. Absolutely. Did you wear rainbow suspenders? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, How did you know? Uh, do I appear to be that type? Uh, so. Mark. 
Yeah, and then I went to the Ringling Brothers uh, to see a performance and met this woman there. And she's like, oh, well, I do this other circus. And um, you want to come be a clown in the circus? And I was like, yeah. So me and my dad, when I was 10 years old, were in the circus. And I got to perform in stadiums. And that was my first time being um, under the lights and being, you know, in a stadium and doing learning choreography and all that. And um, so it's a very weird start to a career at 10 years old but it's so fitting it's like don't you it, it's it makes so, so much it, sense it, it, so it feels very throwbacky like vaudevillian like yes Buster oh yeah Keaton, his yes. parents were vaudevillians and he was yeah. in their act as a kid yes yeah, so and i you know and i and I, I i've talked about this before too but growing up my father would do characters on saturday morning and my brother and i would order different characters out of my dad and he would be making <laughs> breakfast <laughs> and he would just do one character after another and that's one of my greatest memories of my, I mean, one of my, one of my most vivid memories of my dad, <laughs> almost every Saturday morning. Yeah. And he was, he was such a performer himself. And then when I was in high school, I did drag with my dad at like a oh, no Lincoln way. County cancer variety show, Stop. which is what they called it. There was no, there was no, um, you know, art around the title. And uh, it was all like men, all the men in town would dress up in this, like a beauty pageant. And I remember like my dad was like committed to playing this woman. And I have a picture of myself from high school. I'm 17 years old with my father and we're oh, doing drag special. together. You know, and I'm just so grateful for those moments now, like to look back mm-hmm. and say, I'm so glad that, you know, even when I was, you know, 22 and moved out to LA and I was like, I want to do this in my life. And my parents thought I was crazy at first. And they were like, what are you doing? They can look back and say, well, we, it was already happening. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, you know, I'm glad that I, that I had some, you know, um, you know, prep for it and found some love for it even though that my dad would never think like to do it for a living it would that was ridiculous but well this was like not my dad's only job it was just like a side gig now right, he's retired right. and he's like trying to oh god bless him uh-huh. um, he's like you're really trying it's hard you know like especially with it coming out and like uh-huh. American Horror Story had the whole clown storyline and he's single handedly bringing oh, the clown back this poor guy but like when I decided to start doing drag I mean which felt so natural something that was like building up inside of me for all these these years because I like missed the the theatricality of, of clowning mm-hmm. um, drags a little bit more marketable these mm-hmm. days uh, my family was at first kind of like what is this you know because they're not the kind of people that would know much about drag but I'm like I was raised by a clown right. what do you Ex- expect exactly it's all in there I'm like mom you're married to a clown right you're a woman that's a husband is a clown yes and it's interesting that a lot of people can accept drag queens Mm-hmm. A lot easier than they can accept gay people. Like that is like a, you know, yeah. and not to talk about your family, but I mean, just like in, in audiences in general, it's like they will love like Tupperware parties that drag queens do, or yeah. they will love, you know, and they've always, you know, it's like from, you know, Milton Berle and Flip Wilson and all the performers that have always done these drag characters, and that sort of it's a weird space that people love it they in love in the 70s my dad's go-to impression was flip wilson as geraldine my dad did, did the same thing <laughs> you young my, people yeah. can look it up on youtube the devil made me buy this dress yeah yeah absolutely but one thing that i notice is from working because i work like maybe half of my time in like comedy clubs and alternative show like um not necessarily gay shows as ross dress for doing stand-up and different things um 
as much as I do also in gay clubs, and it's different, the audience. And sometimes yeah. what I really, really try to avoid is just having the audience laughing at the fact that I'm a man dressed like a lady. Oh, that's never interesting to me. That's no. never my joke. It's so about... And the- sometimes, and I get it, you know? Like, we were talking um, just before we started recording about, um, like, when I work in these comedy clubs, like, they don't know. Like, and I, I get it. Sure. I can't sit here and expect, like, you should know all about drag. We have right. our own TV show now. Right. Um, but like you had, please tell who you had to pop in and do your show. Oh, last yeah. Week. Oh, my God. I have this show called Ross's Humor Hole at the Hollywood Improv. And, you know, it's Hollywood. You never know who shows up. And this, I do so many shows now around town. Um, and so it's sometimes it's kind of hard to get people to come. And um, we've been doing well recently. We had Kevin Nealon on uh, the last one, and that was great. And um, this one, I was it was like kind of a late night show, and I was having a hard time getting tickets out, and I was a little nervous. And I was like, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And the miracle showed up in the form of Dave Chappelle. I mean, that is amazing. That is so awesome. He walks in. He's like, what is this show? And I was like, oh, it's my show. And he's like, oh, was this a one-woman show? And, you know, of course, I'm in full drag. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like a stand-up show. I'm the host. I'm a drag queen. And he was so respectful and so interested in what a uh, drag queen comedian does. And I was talking to him about gay comedy. And I was explaining to him that, you know, this is where I like to um, book, you know, sort of mainstream comedians, alternative comedians, and also give a platform for my gay uh, comedian friends um, give them time, stage time that they might not otherwise get and it's kind of just a um, a fun mix of people and and, uh, there was another show going on in the other room that was sold out and he was like, well do you want me to do the show? And I'm like, yeah, I mean if you want I mean the other one's sold out, we don't have many tickets he's like, don't worry, we will fill this place up and so he got on the stage he was very respectful, he did about a half hour, Um, of course lit a cigarette, like what are you going to tell him not to? Yeah, I love that um he uh he said you know he ended the set by saying just so you guys know this is all Ross Dressfeles's show by the way it was packed by the time he got up on stage he said this is her show um I want you to give it up for her and um she, you know she's has her own show here and I've worked here for years and she is among the best of the best so please give her all your respect oh my god and it was wonderful. just it was such a nice thing to hear from somebody of his caliber yeah and somebody that, you know, I looked up to so much. And I, oh, my gosh. And I know that, like, he did get in some hot water, and I haven't done my research, and I don't go yeah, mine her. But he did make a a, a, a a trans joke and got into some trouble about that. And I love hearing that he's he's on the right side. You know, I mean, he's, he's not an enemy. Absolutely. And, like, you know, comedians make jokes, and they're going to say things that maybe trigger someone or might be inappropriate or might be insensitive. And that's kind of what they do but when you know someone where their heart is it's really nice to to hear that because also he could have just walked by he didn't have to stop in oh and, and not- he did he didn't do any of that for his ego he didn't do any of that for publicity he did that Correct. because he wanted to support and he saw in you you know uh, you know something special and and new and different and something that he wanted to learn about which i think yeah. is just awesome and i was supposed to do a sound check and i was just like he just wanted to talk he was talking to me i'm like i'm just going to talk to him i'm going to do the sound course. check right now <laughs> so we talked for like you know a good 10 minutes or so before the show and he was very just intrigued by all of it and yeah i i yeah. I don't know much about any of that controversy, but I'm a huge fan. I don't either, but I just I, I wanted to make a point to be like, yeah. he's he's on the good side, you guys. So yeah, you've seen that that sketch he did years ago, the um the blind KKK member. Yes, that is brilliant. It's genius. It's so I know brilliant. that's the th- it's yeah. he he really is a genius. 
the greatest. Anyway, um, so that's my revelation. I got it off my chest. Dad's a clown. Yes. My dad's so, a clown. And so Fantastic. Is, and, and so is Rod's. I love it. And now I'm a clown, and I've grown yeah. up yeah. to be a clown. <laughs> uh, James. Well, I'm going to keep in the show business theater theme. I love it. Oh, so that's the thing you said earlier. Like, yeah, my family's not from show business. You guys either. I'm like, well, so kind of. Our birthday I'm, party's I'm considered glad show saved business. That. It was worth the wait for that reveal. <laughs> yes, completely. So, as I said earlier, uh, so early '80s, early to mid '80s, I've gone to community college for a couple of years. I've taken some acting classes. I'm still living at home. I'm essentially a slacker, and I get a job in an office. <laughs> At one point, I worked for Equifax of all. Places. You did, yes. Oh wow! And if I was still there, this never would have happened. No, okay, good. But <laughs> but I was going. I lived in New Jersey, and I used to take the bus into New York and go to see plays constantly. This is before I turned pro. Uh huh. But I I was drawn to it. Mm. Uh, but I was working like a day job and doing amateur theater in New Jersey and going to see plays so this is like early to mid 80s mm-hmm. i go to broadway plays and i loved it i would see musicals i would see straight plays i would see all kinds of stuff <clears throat> and then i <clears throat> decided well there are a couple things one is you're familiar with second acting second acting second oh, acting. Yes, oh yes. you show up wherein you, you wander yes. there's it's intermission you go to the theater at intermission you casually pick up a program there's usually a stack of programs outside or you just kind of wander into the lobby and you look like you belong, and mm-hmm. you find a seat. Uh-huh. So I would do that. I used to get standing room for plays. Uh, there was a Rosemary Harris production of Noel Coward's Hay Fever in 85. Okay. I saw it five times. Wow. I was obsessed with it. Just, Just the, the second, second act? act or the whole no, thing? No, the whole thing. Okay, go oh. ahead. Back then, you could get standing room for like 10 or $20. I would right. stand in the back of the now and then. And after intermission, someone would leave. Sure. And there'd be seats in the orchestra yeah. section. I would go down there. Occasionally you'd be caught by an usher and you go, oh no, I'm just back here. Uh-huh. I was just obsessed with this play because it was just something I wanted to do. And here were these people in this really funny play on stage doing wonderful acting. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, and I was sort of unhappy. I hadn't quite pushed myself to go to New York yet. I remember like getting off work one day. <laughs> this is a sidebar to the story, but it gives you a sense of my mood. Uh, at like around 5.30 and I went, you know, if I, if I actually caught the bus now, I could get to New York by seven and I could see hay fever again. Wow. And I went back <laughs> <laughs> and years, Campbell Scott was in that production and years oh, wow. later I met him and I said, Hey, I want to tell you something. In 1985, this is like 20 years later. Yeah. I went to see that production of hay fever five times and he took a beat and went, why? <laughs> <laughs> it was it may yeah. not have been the most important sure, production in the but world, yeah, it but it represented meant, something really It represented so much yeah. to me and I I can re- read the play now and remember every actor's line readings wow. and every bit oh, of business. Wow. Anyway. So I used to slip down to the orchestra section. So then I started getting a little more cocky and I mm. thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make my way backstage. Mm. <laughs> I was like, so how can I do this? So I developed a technique, which was go to the stage door, open the program, look at a non-famous actor, mm. the person who played the maid, right. ask for them, and they would let you back in. Wow. And then you go to Rosemary Harris's dressing room. Yes, yes. I did this 
with hay fever. Rosemary Harris offered me a drink. Other people were coming around. Once you're backstage, they Once assume backstage, you belong there. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Of course. <laughs> right. Well, they're not going to be like. Also, like they've just done a show. They're like, oh hey, how are you? They're like, they're not thinking you're back. You know. And Drew, I got. I wasn't the suave figure you see before you now. I was a sort of skinnier, goofy kid from New Jersey. Without a sense of style yet, you know? uh, I love but it. once you were back there, they assumed you were someone's friend. Of course, that's such an interesting technique. Yes, so I saw. J- I saw. That. I don't think you can do that anymore. Now. No, this is very pre nine eleven behavior. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now it's a big deal now, especially. I had a friend named Nick, and we took <laughs> acting classes together. We went to see uh, Long Day's Journey into Night. Oh wow! With Jack Lemon and Kevin Spacey. Whoa! As, uh, as uh, Edmund, Jamie, Oh, as Edmund, no, as Jamie. I think you're right. And that was like in the late 80s or something. Okay. And we did the same thing. We went back. There, there's a, there's actually a maid in that show. Yes. And we asked for the maid's name. I still remember her name. Her name was Mary Lynn McClintock. I don't know if she's still acting. <laughs> and I went back. And, they, and, and as we went back, I heard someone say, who are they? Because we're these two Jersey right. goofballs. Right. They could just tell that we were Jersey goofballs. And, and I remember the person at the stage who were going, friends of Mary Lynn's. We go backstage, and then my friend, we start looking for Jack Lemon's dressing room. It's a big theater. And some woman walks by, and my friend, who's very good in these situations, says with faux exasperation, where is Jack's dressing room? <laughs> <laughs> and she directed us to his dressing room. Wow. And we walk in. It's a large room. And he sees us, and he, he has a big smile on his face and says, with total friendliness and sweetness, hey, fellas. Oh. And we were like, oh, you're so great. Oh, thank you very much. It was so sweet. So, so Drew, then I started getting cockier. And I thought, I got a <laughs> shortcut. I've got a fail safe. I've got a shortcut. Instead of going to the stage door, I've done college. I know what a theater is like. I just had to find the right moment. And as the people were leaving, curtain call, people were leaving, I would go to the foot of the stage do a quick look around, hop on the stage, <gasps> and go off into the... St- now, I'm not oh, proud no. of this. Oh, <laughs> my God. How do you get away with that? Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. Yeah. Kind of yeah. A little skinny. Oh, yeah. Just find your moment when they're not looking. Hop up. Once you're back, you're good. Kids, don't do this at home. Don't do yeah, this they in the can't. Theater. I mean, you know, no, you, you can't, can't do this but it's a different I way. would wander around. I remember meeting people then. There was a, a John Guare's... Uh, House of Blue Leaves. Sure. I remember speaking to a young Ben Stiller backstage. Oh, before. right. He was famous yeah. when he played yes. the teenage yes. son uh-huh. in that. Just I would do things like this. Swizzy Kurtz. Swizzy Kurtz was in it. Yeah. And in fact, I believe I, I met her too. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So uh, I love doing this. This is my thing. So here's the capper to the story. I'm with my friend Nick, who I used to do this with. Sometimes I do it alone. Sometimes I do it with him. We're in New York. We're, we haven't seen a play. We're just hanging out in Manhattan. We're in Midtown. It's around 11 o'clock. At the time, Judd Hirsch was in a play called I'm Not Rappaport. Okay. Written yes, by Murray cool. Shiskel. Okay. Yes. He <laughs> was in the... Uh, Cleavon Little was also in Oh, it, wow. From Blazing Star Saddles. of Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Uh, they played old men in the play. Now, I would later actually see the play, but I didn't... We didn't see it this night. We just went, hey, let's go backstage and meet Judd Hirsch. Star of Taxi. <laughs> yeah, so we pick up a program. We look in the play. It says, Policeman, Fred Wellington. We go to the door and go, Fred Wellington, please. They go right this way. We walk in. Oh, my gosh. It was a smaller theater. There's a spiral staircase that leads to the dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. We go up. Mercedes Rule is in the play. Oh, sure. She, and I actually knew someone who knew her. I knew an actor in New Jersey who knew her. So I had a little in there. 
But I'm like, hey, how's it going? I know Ward, you know, blah, blah. She's pleasant. We continue to go up the stairs because the goal is to meet Mr. Hirsch. Yes. It's a small dressing room. The door is open. He's probably my age at the time, which means he's like in his 50s, but he's playing an old man and he's his shirt is off. He's sitting there. He's got a large, hairy chest and he's using spirit gum or something to take off his old man makeup. He's peeling oh, stuff oh, off. And me and Nick in our stonewashed 80s jeans and bad haircuts appear at the door. Judd Hirsch <laughs> turns his head, sees these two kids standing there, and my hand to God says, where'd you guys come from? The street? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I said, yeah, we did, as a matter of fact. Thinking that's a great cover. <clears throat> it's true, but it's right. like I'm making a joke. Right, right. And then he kind of looks back in the mirror and there's just an awkward pause. There's no Jack, quite understandably. Oh, I'm 100% on Judd Hirsch's side here. Yes. He's, he's taking his makeup off by himself. Yes. These two kids just stand there and uh, uh, and there's an awkward pause and we say something like, oh, yeah, you're really great. And then there's another beat and <laughs> Judd Hirsch turns to us and goes, well, good night, right? <laughs> oh, yes. And we slink down the stairs. And Got what you need. I'm not sure if that was the last time, but it should have been the last time. And it yeah. probably was the last time. Because you, you felt like, oh, we really. We, 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 we're done. Yeah. We and encroached. There's, there's a little addendum to the story. So time goes on. I get older. I move to New York. I become an actor. And then I move to LA. And my first. First gig in L.A. is Numbers, mm. the procedural mm -hmm. starring Judd Hirsch. Oh, wow, right. Now, now, my scenes are not actually with Judd Hirsch, so I don't meet him on the set, but I become friendly with the producer, and we're chatting, and I tell the producer this story. And then the producer and I actually stayed in touch with each other a little after I wrapped the show, and he wrote to me one day and said, James, I told Judd Hirsch that story from the 80s and he remembered it. Wow. <laughs> and he said wow. he was really tickled that you're an actor now. And I love that he remembered this non-event. Right. One night a couple kids sure, stood by sure. the door. But there was something weird about it that he remembered. Right. I and maybe it. in the moment he was like, are they going to jump me? <laughs> yeah. they, you know, Trust or, me, we, if you saw us no back way, then, no, I uh, that you wouldn't have thought. You know, but I understand that like, it's like when you're back, it's such a sacred space and you're backstage and Yes. You know, when we're down in the, you know, at the casita and it's like, I will, you know, change if anybody and we're like sweaty and I'll be like, you know, naked and a wig and makeup running everywhere. And you're just, that's just what you do. It's part of the job. But Annie, I am so awful to people who come backstage without, like when we're getting changed. Right. There's no space. It's mm -hmm. our, it's our room. It's like, yeah. I will come up and talk to you afterwards, but it is so, it's so invasive yeah. to come back. And when somebody's, you know, when they haven't been invited back, you know, to do that, cause you're like, that is, that, that is, Totally. Not what you're supposed to do. Team Hirsch. Yeah. Yes. And I love that. Like in that moment, you're like, oh, maybe we we shouldn't. Yeah. Have no. Done we, we, this. we we got a little too close to the sun. And there. I, you know, I just think as a, as a, you know, and also as a kid, you know, you have these that you you want to be so close to to all of it, and it's magical, and it's like a fun thing to do, and it's like it's also this secretive thing. You're like, we can go and do this, and we can get really close to. To yes. these stars, and you haven't really considered like oh, these are people who, you know, what if everyone was doing this to them all the time? Yeah. You know, we haven't really 
earn the right to to you know do this and it's like and it's also there's something we're lying by by being back you know by being in their space and did like the actors that played the like the maid or the cop did did anything ever come up with them being like I don't know that person I uh, no I don't why well, I don't yeah I don't know that's a good that's a good the yeah. next day how was your right. friend what friend right. we would right. we would ignore them you would it was just a go ghost. bypass it's an them. old theater yeah I'm sorry Mary Lynn but yeah, <laughs> played the maid in Long Day's Journey in '87. Oh, it's awful when we, you know, I know, and just I have, I have such regrets. I have, I would, I one now day those I are my me. favorite people, by the way, the supporting players. Oh, oh, players. absolutely. But go on, yes. I know, and I love when I, I especially <laughs> when you go and see something, and you're like, who is that? I want to follow this yes. person, and you know, I when I saw Hamilton on Broadway, the one, the the girl who was the the one of the who played the bartender, she had this big mohawk and she's gorgeous and I could not take my eyes off of her yes. and I was seeing Hamilton for the first time which was a life changing experience and I had, I had this was before I had heard any of the music I didn't know anything about it I saw it the week it opened in New York and I was just so blown away by it but I still will I always remember that woman and I you know I do I, I love those but I think about it in, in um I was uh, there was a, there's a play called Ruthless, uh, which is a musical about a little girl who uh, it's based on the Bad Seed and Valley of the Dolls and All About Eve. Oh, yeah. It's um a little it's it's very campy. It's hilarious. And one day I want to play Sylvia St. Croix so badly because it's it's all women characters. But there's the, the grandmother uh, agent character is always played by a man and drag. But it's what? about a little girl. I don't know about this. It sounds amazing. It's great. It's so fun. And it's about a little girl who doesn't get the lead in her school place. And she kills the little girl and gets the lead. Sure. And her grandmother is her agent and like cli- has her climbing the ranks of, of elementary school theater. Oh and her mother is like a housewife. And it's very 50s. And she just wants to be a housewife. <clears throat> but, in the, but then her mother gets the stage bug and then screws her own daughter over. And so the second act is very 60s. And her mother's a huge Broadway star. And the daughter has, been, has gone away to reform school so the daughter comes back and she's the daughter is like eight or nine as she's supposed to be and the mother is a hard so everyone's a terrible person and everyone's trying to screw each other over and it's like family and it's wonderful and I was obsessed with it and and in freshman year of college I in the program in the in the in the Samuel French you know um another program the script uh it says if you have any questions about this production uh if you you know you want to mount the play here's my address and it's Joel Paley who wrote the play Here's my address. Write to me. I wrote him this gushing fan letter that was just like, this is the best thing I've ever read. And I remember saying, like, you're like John Waters meets Christopher Durang. And those are my, those, you know, that's when you're, you know, a gay freshman in college that you're referencing. And two of my, to this day, two of my favorites. And or a culturally gay straight kid because I was so into Durang. Oh, did you know? I'm sure you are. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I got a letter back from him six months later. Uh, a giant package in the mail came, and he said, "Your letter touched us so much. I, I, I happened to get it the night of a benefit show where, with Bernadette Peters, where she played the mom, and we did this out in L.A. And he goes, "I read your letter to the whole cast. Wow! Here's an autographed script by the from the whole cast. Here's a picture of me and Bernadette. It was a just a just a picture that they had taken how, for wait, me. How at the old cast were you party. when you got this? Thing? I was 19. Amazing. And." It was basically just like, thank you. It just really meant a lot. You're like, you know, what you had written. And I was just like, through the moon. And I should have stopped then. But I went a step further and wrote him another letter and thanked him so much. And then said, if you have any jobs uh, available, I'm an actor and a writer and I'd love to work with you. And I did that thing. 
that's like the the you just don't do. And I just didn't know better. And to this day, I would I would love to meet him and tell him like. You changed my life in that moment, and I ruined it by saying, hire me and put me on and something. And you did not hear back after Of that. course not. I never heard anything <laughs> back from him. And uh, You're a bad like, You went to Judd Hirsch's dressing room. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Far. Like I, 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 I went, to, I pulled, I, I pulled, uh, pulled at, at a Baniac and uh, Nick, is that his name? Yes, yes, yes. old Nick. And um, <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, I, yeah. So it's, I, you know, you do those things and you're just like, God, I just really shat that bed. And I should have just been like, this is, you know, this is let this be what this is. And it was just a magical moment because I really... And the first time it was truly, I just wanted to tell him what a fan I was of his work. And then it was this moment of like, I, I this is my opportunity. Like, I I guess I know Bernadette Peters now. And I, I guess sure. this is my time to jump on this. And they're going to hire me. They're going to go, you're an actor? Come with us, kid. Join then the circus. After you know? the and second letter, whenever the phone rang, he was afraid it was circus. you saying, I'm outside. I'm yeah, outside. I know. Exactly. I know. It's like the, the thing where you're like, you have to be careful with the people because you don't know, uh, you know, you who's out on your know. ledge. But um, that is a great uh, gesture that he did, and it was so oh, lovely. You still really carry that with thing. you today. That, I that know. sort of. I still. I mean, I'm not proud of sneaking backstage, but I still carry like my evening where Rosemary Harris offered me alcohol. Absolutely, sure. talk to me about alcohol. Well, and also you can look back and go, yeah, it wasn't right, but you were coming from such a genuine place. I was. It was. It benign. wasn't like there was anything, you know. And now the reason why people can't. Do that so much, obviously, with security reasons. But you have people on Broadway who are not necessarily, you know, that might have, that might be more movie stars. Then people want to just flood them, and for different reasons. Yeah. It's not yeah. for the. It's not because I want to, you know, be in your, you know, um, I want to breathe the same air and have a drink with you and be with a great actor for the night, you know, for ten minutes or whatever. It's a different. It's a different sort of thing, and you know, but it's often yeah. like, can we just get a selfie, please? I really want the right, followers, exactly. and it's just exa- ex- exhausting. Ugh. And but it's it's nice that you know when you are coming from, you know that 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 uh, when someone does those kind of things because he could have easily read my letter and thrown it. I mean, like that's sweet and thrown it away. But he do went, you still have that stuff? Oh, of course I do. Oh, that's so cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When I was a little kid, like. Eight or something. I wrote to Beverly Cleary. Oh yes, I did too. And she wrote me back. Did she? She, write she you didn't back? write me back. Wow. I, I'm sure she did this regularly, but probably couldn't get to everybody. Yeah. She wrote me on personal stationery and referenced things I'd written on my letter. It was a handwritten response. Wow. It was incredible. Yeah. I did that to Robin Williams as a kid, and oh, I still wow. he wrote me at um, like a hand. Uh, Personalized autograph. I mean, who knows if it was him or not? But it was so big yeah, to me. No, sure, oh, of course. I'm sure, Robin Williams did because he. I seemed like that was his yeah. greatest, you know, thing and downfall. Like just you know, leading to just mm. please. Everybody. I still have it on my and wall. And a kid. There's a the thing about a kid oh, writing you. They're just like, oh, it means so much. You know. Yeah. Beverly Cleary did not write me back, but Peggy Parrish did, who wrote the Amelia Bedelia series. Ah, yeah. Which is <laughs> one of the most maddeningly upsetting, mentally ill characters in in uh, you know children's literature. But she wrote me back. I remember, and and uh, but I, I maybe Beverly Cleary was just too busy that day. I don't know. I don't blame her. Still yes. love her. It was a great moment. So. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we are way out of time, and I <laughs> love you both so much for doing this, and I love Thanks this for talk. Us. This was deep nerd actor talk, and I it was. love it. This topic it's awesome. A for me. Oh, I know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I want to thank James Urbaniak and Roz Dresvelez for being on this episode of Minor Revelations. Uh, you guys, have a week. Mm-hmm. 